1: It is late night, folks, and I was going to take my L with the Lakers' victory for another night, but I had to come on the air, mainly because of how the Sunday night football game between the Vikings and the Seahawks just ended uh, now. And I, I just I shake my head at the misappropriation of analytics because I think people misunderstand more often than not What the purpose of using analytics to actually succeed is in in times. So, game scenario. Less than two minutes to go. You've got the Vikings up five. They are up five. In the game. What do the Vikings do? It is a score... 26-21 26 21 Vikings. Vikings have been leading pretty much the entirety of the game, uh, in, in most parts, outside of a brief flurry where Seattle took uh, the lead, but the Vikings uh, took it back. But here's the issue you're down inside the red zone, inside the 10. You're up five, less than two minutes to go. Up five. Five points. I say this because in football, the most you can score after a touchdown is eight points if you go for two. It's less than two minutes left. You're up five. A touchdown can still beat you. Yes, getting the first down ices the game with one yard. Yeah. Yeah we get that but your star running back Dalvin cook is out injured kicking the field goal even though the analytics may say doesn't ensure a hundred percent victory you're at 94 freaking percent 94 percent chance of winning you know what the chance of losing is? You know what keeps the chance of losing at 6%? Not getting fourth down converted. Kicking the field goal while not ultimately ensuring 100% chance of victory ensures that you don't lose the bleeping game on a touchdown. So what happens? Vikings get stuffed. Russell Wilson doing Russell Wilson things, drives the Seahawks down into the red zone and scores a touchdown to end the game. Uh, all but to end the game because the Vikings only got the ball back with less than 10 seconds left. I, I cannot stress this enough. How badly analytics gets misused to justify I- idiotic decisions. You're up five with less than two minutes left. Even if you only kick the field goal and Russell Wilson drives down the field to score a touchdown, he still has to convert a two-point conversion, which is not a gimme, just to force overtime. And you still have a chance to win the game in overtime. The only chance you have of losing the game in regulation is if you do not convert fourth down and Russell Wilson scores a touchdown on you. That is the only way you could have lost the game in regulation. And yet the Vikings chose to go down that route. The one decision path that could actually allow for you to lose the game in regulation. A game you were in control of for, I'd say, probably 45 out of the 60 uh, minutes the Vikings were in control of that game. It's just mind-numbingly dumb. And they're going to say they base it off of analytics. But my issue when you're saying analytics is the basic common sense of knowing, yes, the analytics can guarantee you a 100% chance of victory if this outcome happens. But the negative downside outcome is making sure you don't lose the game outright. And your downside risk dramatically increased... Because you opted for the one variable choice that could allow you to get beaten regulation. If you kick the field goal to go up eight, you force the Seahawks to uh, get a number of scenarios pointed through to A, score that touchdown as quickly as they did. Minnesota was playing way too soft of a zone. Let's be real. Way too soft. And still have to convert a two-point conversion. Seattle almost scored twice on that drive because I still think D.K. Metcalf caught that pass originally before it got knocked loose. And he caught it again on fourth down uh, for the game-winning touchdown. But again, the Vikings put themselves in this position of somehow being able to get beat in regulation because they tried to justify an, an illogical decision to try to ice a game when they were ready at a 94% chance of victory. If you kick the field goal, your chances of winning the game, it may not be a hundred percent, but it's closer to uh, 95 to 98%. But you know what it avoids? It avoids the downside of, Hey, the Seahawks drive drove right back down the field, scored a touchdown and you have no chance to even get in field goal range to win the game, it's just it's just mind-numbingly dumb how these teams operate. I, I, I like I can't get over that. I cannot get over this. I was going to take my L with the Lakers tomorrow and do the show, but instead I got to talk about this to start off the show and then talk about the Lakers dominating the Heat. So I got my. Derriere handed to me uh, tonight for NBA DFS because we got the blowout scenario that I was worried about, that the Heat had left it all on the floor in game five and would have nothing left in the tank for game six. So we got the blowout scenario. The Heat didn't pull their starters, which made it worse because if they at least pulled their starters, it, it, could have, uh, it, it, it could have been a better outcome. But the problem is that because Jimmy Butler had nothing left, basically, it fell to getting kind of garbage time points from Bam Adebayo, whom I had dropped off uh, the player pool entirely because, A, he wasn't getting there with the Lakers defense, Unless it was a blowout scenario and then they were just going to give up uh, uh, points in the post uh, eventually or just uh, him grabbing rebounds uh, because the the game was so far out of hand, which is exactly what happened. Uh, You know, maybe I should have built some lineups uh, for the blowout risk and, and kept the BAM in that one scenario. But, man, that's just not a productive way of utilizing assets and i talked about this before so yeah got my uh, butt handed to me from a dfs perspective but the lakers you know even though i said they were highly overrated coming into the year the lakers are your 2020 nba champions that 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 that, that is the truth so uh, i will take this quick break uh for some ads, but we're gonna get into the Lakers winning their title and what it kind of means for the NBA because everyone's gonna be sucking up to LeBron, the uh, king to come at this point for the next uh, week and a half. But let's put this one in actual perspective here, because this one, you know, the flaking of the Clippers only compounded the amount of issues going on with the nba season uh uh that transpired with everything that went down so let's do a little bit of a retrospective of the nba season uh in a nutshell and uh, after the break and we'll we'll, we'll circle back uh, after this stay tuned
0: don't go anywhere the fantasy throwdown podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready.
1: All right. Welcome back to the show, folks. All right. So as I said, the M- the NBA season is finally over. The Lakers are your champions. But let's put this one in perspective here. The Lakers won an NBA title with no Warriors to contend with. Kevin Durant on the shelf for the entire year. Giannis basically flaking out of the NBA bubble after the five-month hiatus due to the pandemic. Oh, did I mention we're still in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, folks. Uh, Wear your masks, please. I mean, let's be honest here. We had two NBA seasons. Uh, that uh, went on here, so when we talk about uh, the legacy of LeBron here, the legacy is the fact that LeBron's legit longevity and commitment to detail that is his Hall of Fame criteria. You know, when we talk about who's the goat who's the greatest this that and the other, you know from a skill set standpoint, there are still players far and away still better than LeBron in terms of certain attributes. Jordan's going to be a better scorer. Wilt's going to be a better scorer. I mean, Russell, better defender. Bird, clearly a better shooter. I mean, it's not even close. But the key with LeBron, outside of Kareem, there really is no comparable uh, NBA Hall of Famer that has the longevity of LeBron and the consistency of playing at a high level of LeBron. That's LeBron's attribute. Is his willingness and commitment to just staying in that peak physical condition And being able to play bully ball as a forward. Because what we saw tonight in Game 6 of the NBA Finals, he imposed his will and he broke down an undersized Miami Heat team. Which is what needed to happen a couple of different times. But LeBron was trying to, uh, you know, conserve energy and not try to leave it out on the floor. Like Miami was leaving it out on the floor basically every game of the NBA Finals after they went down 0-2. Like, once they went down 0-2, Miami just said they were going to just commit to everything that they did and try to make life as hard as humanly possible for the Lakers, and they succeeded in winning two games that they had no business winning. You know, once I saw Adebayo injured and Dragic injured, I pretty much wrote this series off as... Uh, maybe a sweep or gentlemen sweep where the Lakers give them a game. But I didn't expect Miami to give the Lakers nearly as hard of a time as they did because unlike, you know, the nuggets uh, that they played, you know, they didn't have any true size mismatch. Like Joker was a pain in the ass for the Lakers made life miserable. You know, you, you had Jamal Murray being so scorching hot that it it, it, they, it gave them trouble at the point. Like, point guards give the Lakers a lot of trouble. Dragic being injured basically took took out the Miami's game plan from the jump. Jimmy Butler had to do everything on his own, and damn, had some of the best triple-double performances you will ever see an NBA player have and did it in the NBA Finals. Mad props to Jimmy Butler. You know, I've been uh, pushing for Jimmy Butler for years now, and he finally got his due. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that Miami was just always going to be coming up short because they just did not have a full deck of cards to uh, to kind of go up uh, up against the, uh, the Lakers with. You know, it, it, at, at times, it, you know, they basically uh, uh, chased Miami off the wings. Miami couldn't get any perimeter shots going uh, with uh, uh, because they, they took out Dwight Howard. They put in Caruso. They just basically chased him off the three-point line. And with Anthony Davis playing, uh, uh, playing uh, essentially an outfielder, uh, just swatting balls away, like and just challenging shots. Like Miami did not want to go, uh, did not want to go challenge at the hoop, and th- that was uh, a fatal flaw because uh, at that point, you know, Miami just needed to try to go, uh, uh, just go into the hoop and just try to draw fouls, and they just didn't do it. You know, that was that was to me the biggest takeaway. The other, take- other takeaway was playoff Rondo showed up, and when playoff Rondo shows up and LeBron's engaged, the Lakers are not getting beat by pretty much any team other than if the, Cl- the Clippers team we were promised ever showed up. The Clippers never showed up to the NBA bubble. You know, the fact that they were spending more time trolling on Damian Lillard than actually getting ready for their postseason kind of showed it. Because I should have seen the warning signs when Luka Doncic, with no supporting cast to speak of, was lighting them up. That they might have trouble when they actually went up against uh, uh, two NBA All-Stars. And that's exactly what happened when they uh, they played uh, the Nuggets. But again, I'm going to take my L. You know, I did not see the Lakers uh, winning the title this year. I question whether or not Anthony Davis, and you guys can go back in the archives, I question whether or not Anthony Davis uh, had the mettle and resolve to be willing to commit to taking the pain, taking the punishment in the post, banging with guys. I thought that there were very real concerns about Anthony Davis uh, faring well in playoff-type basketball when you've got to man up and take the abuse. LeBron's been doing it for ten straight NBA Finals now. Yeah, I, I, well, not ten straight, but the tenth NBA Finals. But I mean, LeBron's basically in the finals every every year or every other year uh, to be uh, to begin with. Anyway, because of how bad the East was. But you get my drift. But we did not see this out of Anthony Davis yet. Uh, he had not had good uh, playoff performances. Until now, you know, playing with LeBron and just willing to be the number two guy and playing off of LeBron gave AD the confidence he needed to actually execute in the postseason. And he was the dominant defensive presence uh, in the paint. And then, yeah, Fountain of View found Dwight Howard, whose back issues magically disappeared. You know what? I, I shouldn't. I really shouldn't be this sarcastic. I t- said I was going to take an L I've taken now. but okay. Dwight Howard, uh, you know, overcoming the back issues that he said, limited his ability to perform in Washington and other NBA stops since he got exiled from the Lakers because Kobe said he wasn't serious about winning. Uh, Dwight Howard, Actually showed up, humbled himself, took that uh, secondary, uh, that bench role uh, in a way, and then eventually outplayed JaVale McGee, which is not that hard of a task to do. But okay, I, I, I'm 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 going to try to be less sarcastic. Uh, you know, overcame and excelled and got a starting role on the team. Tremendous feat. I, I, I'm trying not to be a, a wise-ass here, but, you know, it, it, it is a little bit hard. It is a little bit hard. So, when, when you kind of get get right down to it, um, you know, Lakers fans ripped on R- Rajon Rondo pretty much the entire season. Uh, now they're, they're singing Rondo's praises. Uh, listen, Rondo plays for when his time is needed. His time needed is in the postseason when he actually goes off on different uh, uh, different times. And, you know, he destroyed uh, – I mean, he basically destroyed Miami second unit all by himself. Uh, you know, the, the thing of it is that, uh, you know, he basically – knows every single aspect of offensive basketball there is at this point. So no matter what defense you're running against Rondo, he knows exactly how to expose the defense you're running. The reason why Miami could not run the zone uh, against Lakers is because Rondo would be on the court and basically finding exactly where to uh, pin LeBron or AD to destroy and demolish the zone. The, uh, Miami just had no success with, uh, uh, you know, playing zone on the Lakers. So, you know, again, with the injuries, uh, Miami had and being undersized, this was just not a very good matchup. It, and the reason why I thought this was originally going to go six was maybe you might get a game, uh, out of, uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, But Bam Adebayo could have a game uh, with some help from Dragic and Hero. And, you know, you get the two wins that way. The two wins that the Miami Heat actually got from Jimmy Butler just playing out of his mind, that is elevating yourself to a different uh, standard. You know, the thing that is so infuriating about some NBA teams uh, just not willing to put in the work. Jimmy Butler was just asking for a chance uh, to have a franchise focus, lock in and do the work that he actually did all those things that Jimmy Butler had been craving for for years. And he never got the chance to do it in Chicago or Minnesota or Philly, but he got blamed a lot too. Because he was too ultra competitive in the minds of some, you know, when you aren't superstar quality execution wise, you have to develop a mentality of being able to scrounge out every last bit of talent within you to get the job done. And and that's what Jerry Butler does. You know, I always looked at it the same way as Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley always said that, you know, he knew how to rebound. He had to learn everything else. Jimmy Butler learn, knew how to play defense. He worked on every other aspect of his game. He's not a scorer. He's not, he was never a great passer. But he worked his ass off and became very good and excellent at all those categories. But he could always hang his hat on his defense. So... You know, that's what makes it frustrating when you see guys with so much God-given talent not being able to utilize that talent effectively or even hone their craft. Because that's the thing that I criticize Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo more than anything else is the fact that he has so much talent being able to handle the ball. The fact that he hasn't actually learned a single post move yet is insulting to the game of basketball given his size just a basic skyhook would change Giannis's playoff uh, situation entirely on its head with the the buck uh the bucks because either he's going to learn need to learn how to be a point forward and just be able to facilitate at the top of the key and being able to find guys Instead of guys just waiting around for him to do stuff, because playing, uh, I mean playing the game as though if it's a, a a session of NBA Jam or NBA Street, you know that only works up to a certain point in the NBA calendar, and then once it hits postseason, guys are going to make life very difficult. And when life gets difficult for Giannis, I still haven't seen any growth yet. Out of him. And this was my concern about Anthony Davis. So, you know, I feel good when guys that try to do the best they can with what they've got, like Jimmy Butler succeed because we know how hard they had to work at it. And it's not natural for them to be able to be on that stage. But when they are on that stage, they feel obligated to do what they have to do to get there and try to get the job done and and perform it uh, at a high level. And that's what Jimmy Butler did. Yeah, this last game didn't end the way they would want it. Dragic tried to play through plantar fasciitis, a complete terror of, uh, of plantar fasciitis. I, like, I can't even imagine how much pain Dragic uh, played under. You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's one of those things from an NBA perspective. You know, this was a very trying season overall, uh, just in terms of the pandemic, trying to come back. And I give Commissioner Adam Silver a lot of credit because he's the one who came up with this whole bubble format that every other league started copying off of afterwards. But, uh, but he was the first to come up with set parameters and try to work out uh, arrangements with Disney to set up the accommodations for the players and everything else. Because if he doesn't come up with a comprehensive plan, along with, you know, people can criticize it all you want, but that 110 page safety protocol measures, it covered the gambit of basically everything that could have happened. And the NBA did run into certain situations uh, during the bubble season With uh, as the months dragged on. But if that safety protocol plan wasn't as comprehensive as it was, the players would not have the buy-in. Chris Paul would not be able to sell the players on that deal. The players would have just sat home. The league would have lost money because of the, the television contracts not being honored. And then the NBA's in a real quagmire but we, we may not have even gotten uh, the other sports because the other sports ended up kind of following the NBA's lead. Football probably would have still gone on because the NFL is always about making money. But I'm not sure if hockey goes in uh, comes up with that bubble format if the NBA didn't give them the idea. I really I really believe that. We might not have gotten a Stanley Cup champion this year in the Tampa Bay Lightning. And for those of you wondering why it didn't cover the Tampa Bay Lightning, no, I am not covering the team that poached all uh a great portion of the talent from the Rangers, committed salary cap uh uh s- salary cap nihilism just to win one cup and now having to dismantle their team. Uh no, I I'm I'm not I'm not giving Tampa that much love. Congratulations on doing the bare minimum of what you were expected to do. But yeah, in all seriousness, no. Um, Adam Silver deserves a lot of credit. Chris Paul uh, deserves a lot of credit as well, being the head of the NBA Players Association. Michelle Roberts, the uh, the NBA, uh, uh, well, the NBA PA's executive director, she deserves a lot of credit for kind of working out some of the logistics of the television contracts. You know, there was a lot of work that got put into these bubble formats, along with the television networks, and that has to get acknowledged. So I, I will throw the broadcasters a bone because that could not have been easy. Being away from family that long, and grueling season uh, inside a bubble when you're, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic, you're not being able to go anywhere. You're still in just in the bubble the entire time. You know, again, it's a welcome distraction from everything that's going on. But there are a lot of serious things that have to be addressed. And, you know, but I, I do like the sojourn that you can get through sports. Because I think sports represents so much of what we could be as a society when we have complete buy-in and not worrying about uh, just so much needless nonsense. But, um, you know, that's where I'm going to kind of leave it off at. Uh, You know, just in terms of thankful that we got what we got because there there really wasn't uh, any guarantee of anything happening when things shut down in, uh, you know, in early March, like you know, no one really knew how this was truly going to play out. So I, 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 I have to say that, uh, it, it is, uh, it is something that is, uh, a truly remarkable feat that, uh, you know, when we look back on this, hopefully years from now, you know, there will be a grander appreciation of the work that got put into this. So that's going to do it for the show. Uh, I will say in passing or in closing, rather, um, best wishes to Dak Prescott uh, with his uh, severe ankle uh, fracture injury that he sustained uh, playing the Giants uh earlier today you know it was very hard to watch that happen um you know when i saw it i i honestly thought he had, you know it was football play you know he kind of fell down he kind of grabbed, i thought initially i thought he initially pulled something and then you know i saw i did it i saw Something that I did not want to see, and I when I saw his f- foot, and then I saw something jutting. Like uh, I, I ended up reacting the same way Tony Romo did with the "oh no" um, aspect, because you you want to say it's something else because you know what it is, but you don't want to admit that you saw something that gruesome happen to another human being. And I, and I think that's part of where we are, you know, what we at least strive to be is empathetic and understanding of individuals. So regardless of what you may feel about Dak Prescott, uh, his contract situation, everything else that's going on, you know, given the year that he's had, uh, You know, losing a brother, having uh, massive financial pressures tied to your job performance with basically everyone scrutinizing you and not having an outlet and to have your... The thing you love to do most in life taken away from you and just most brutal fashion within seconds. You know, I, I send out my best wishes to uh, Dak Prescott and his family because, you know, trying to make a rehab process is not easy. And, you know, with everything that's been going on with him, uh, I know it's a, it's going to be another test uh, of his character, but uh, I have full confidence that, He will recover and come back, uh, uh, in some capacity, but, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, how his career moves on the way he's carried himself and conducted himself. I've always respected. And I, and I want to acknowledge that as well. So again, uh, wish I didn't have to end on a somber note, but you know, sometimes we don't get what we want in terms of happy endings. But, uh, you know, what I can say for Dak is, you know, when I saw Alex Smith suffer his compound fracture, the way that it happened, uh, you know, I truly thought Alex Smith's career was over, uh, you know, and that he would never play again. You know, it's just, it was one of those things when his fracture happened against the Rams. Uh, you know, I thought his career was over. I mean, we never even knew that, uh, uh how seriously Alex Smith came close to dying that day. Um, I mean, it's crazy, but, you know, again, for at least Dak's purposes, Alex Smith came back on the field and played a game of football today. So again, modern medicine and just what you can do with the uh uh, uh an indomitable will and spirit that uh, Alex Smith displayed in his rehab process. You know, Dak can come back from this. He can come back from this, even though I'm not cheering for the Cowboys to win any titles, but that can come back from this and be very successful uh as an NFL QB. Uh you know, that is the kind of leader you would want uh for your team. But um, you know, there, there there's there there is hope uh, even even in the darkest of times. So, that uh again, didn't want to go out on that kind of a note, but uh you know, I think it is sometimes you got to be realistic about uh, what you see and experience as a sports fan sometimes. Um, but, you know, you see the beauty of sport uh, as well when you've got Rafa Nadal winning his 20th uh, tennis major and his 13th French Open title over Novak Djokovic. And Roger Federer, you know, with all of his grace in class, comes out. Uh, to award the title to Rafa, you know, given their rivalry over the years, but the amount of mutual respect between the two, you know, that, you know, I I, I said it before, but it's like that's the beauty of sports sometimes, of what we can aspire to be uh, as people. So just food for thought, folks. All right, I'm done rambling. It's late night. Uh, Yeah, uh, you know, with Sunday night football and everything else that has gone on today. So I'm going to call it. uh, Call it a night. Take care. Be well. And until next time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.